Good morning, church. It's a beautiful day today, is it not? A little humid, that's okay. The sun is shining, the cold is gone, I think permanently. We're going to interrupt this broadcast system for an emergency message. And Pastor Jeff doesn't know about this, so he's probably right now thinking, oh dear Lord, what just happened? So that's okay. Uh, we want to call them both out for a second. And, and I know this may, if you would, just kind of bear with us on the, any delays for a slide or any of the stuff that, that normally goes on because we're bringing the labor out on the stage for a moment. So if they could come out, how many of you know that uh, Pastor Jeff and Michelle had an anniversary yesterday? Yeah, let's, let's give them an applause. 11 years for some that may not be a whole lot for some, that may be a whole lot. But nonetheless, God honors 11 years of marriage. We're proud of you, I'm proud of you. Uh, if you didn't know, I'm Jeff's brother, so uh, I'm extra proud of him because I love these guys. And in addition to that, we wanna give them this card and uh, just, to, just to let you know how much everyone appreciates you here. And we did try to pass around and, and have folks sign it. It was in a mad dash because uh, you know, it's hard to catch up with everybody and say, hey, can you sign this real quick? And then we're going to interrupt service and mess everything up. So uh, we've done that. We've accomplished that. But in addition to just the service, or, or in addition to their anniversary, I do want to make a special note that uh, we should recognize as a church and the folks sitting here that they bring together an enormous amount of passion and labor to create what we all enjoy as we come here to receive from God each week. So it, it, this morning I come with uh, Jeff, he calls me, he says, hey, Nick's out, can you, can you come help? And I said, absolutely, man, I'm in town anyway, so yeah, I was planning on being there, so I guess I'm labor too, that's okay. Uh, so I come and I pull up, he's covering in sweat and he's rushing, and, and you know, most of you don't get to experience or see that, and that's okay, but that's a labor of love. And uh, I appreciate that, God honors that, and, and with that labor, and it's not just Jeff, I'm not leaving Michelle out. If you notice, she wasn't far when I asked them to come out, that's because she's right there uh, doing her part as well. Always, always something to do in the church and, and to make things happen like this. So uh, we're very thankful as a church and a body and, and the passion that you guys bring and the intensity and time that you dedicate even with your full-time capacity as, as a homemaker, mother, father, and uh, businessman, and all the other capacities that are, are there as well. So thank you for that. Uh, we just wanted to honor you for a moment today. Uh, since I did interrupt this, I'm going to pass it to Michelle and let them go back to the normal schedule. Uh, but let's give them a round of applause for a minute. Just show them that we appreciate their efforts and, and love them and uh, hope they have a wonderful anniversary. All right, good morning. Like Sean said, I am Michelle, and I want to welcome you to One Seed Church. We're excited to have you guys today, and we're excited to see you. Before we hear the message from Pastor Jeff, I just wanted to have a few go over a few announcements for you this morning. And our next event is right around the corner. It is on June 15th. It is at 6.30 p.m. It is our outdoor movie night. It will be on the back parking lot here. We have a giant screen. Um, that we're going to be bringing like a whole entire sound system. Invite your friends, family, kids, invite anybody you want. It's a free public event. It's also on Facebook. Um, if you search One Seed Outdoor Movie Night, you can find it that way and feel free to share that so it sees more people, but it is an open public event, so you know anyone can see that on Facebook right now. You may have received a connection card when you came in today. We would love to get to know you better, so if you would like, you can fill that out for us. It will let us know if you're interested in volunteering for anything, if you are interested in baptism, if you, um, where, let's see. Oh, and also, if you fill that out, we have a gift bag for you on the front table there. We also have an app. You can get that in the Apple Store or the Android Store. If you just search One Seed app, it will pull up all of Pastor Jeff's sermons. It has a Bible. It has a note-taking system. It also has all of our current and upcoming events on there. We are always excited to give back to God's kingdom. We believe everything we have comes from him, and we gladly give it back. And our mission here is we want to further the reach and reach people in Lake St. Louis and make an impact. 
There are a couple ways that you can give. You can give online at 1cchurch.org slash giving. You may text any dollar amount to 84321, or you may put your offering in any of the black box giving stations. So as we start the giving countdown, find a few people and tell them hello. Well, we had a technical difficulty there. We had a video queued for you guys for Memorial Day, and um, it's not working. <laughs> Listen, before you sit down, we were going to play a video to recognize all the men and women who have fought and died for our freedom. And not only that, but the ones who are fighting today, we have veterans in the audience. We also have firefighters, paramedics that are part of this church people who put their life on the line all the time. If you could stand to your feet, we want to take a moment of silence to give respect to all the fallen, fallen soldiers this Memorial Day. Amen. You may be seated. If this is your first time here, welcome to One Seat Church. My name is Pastor Jeff Gwaltney, and yes, it did throw me for a loop when my brother walked out. It was not, uh, see, I'm, I'm a planner, and when the plan gets a wrench in it, I, I go, what's going on? I start feeling pressure, but it's all good. How many, uh, how many were at the barbecue last week? Yeah? Good time? Come on, come on. Let it, let it out. Come on, shout me down if you want to tell me how good it was. I'm okay with that. Awesome. Yeah, we had, uh, we had a dog show up. Zoe's dog, that was a pleasant surprise. Super cool dog. We had uh, barbecue. We had some killer corn on the cob. It's, it's just the most amazing corn on the cob I've ever seen. Somewhere in the back, I think, brought that. Last name, Hill. It was awesome, though, man. Just having some time together as a family really makes all the difference. So it was our first outside. We had a luncheon a while back, but this was our first real like annual event. And it was really neat to see all the fruit that came out of that few hours just spending time together. It's amazing what that will do. But, you know, last week was cool. I, we were at the lake this week, and I got home yesterday, and then I was rushing like Sean said. And just for the record, this is not the shirt I sweat through. That one's in my bag because you wouldn't want to see that. It's, it's nasty. But hey, it is what it is, and when it's passion, it doesn't feel like work, and you'll run yourself into the ground sometimes because of passion. So we are passionate, and we're excited, and we want our passion to be planted in you guys so you can experience the same joy we have as ministers of the Lord. But I didn't sleep good last night. We have this sleep number, sleep number. It's a blow-up. It's a blow-up bed, and down the middle, there's a divider, and on one side, you can blow up to the pressure you like, and on the other side, you can blow up to the pressure they like, and, you know, my, evidently, my side's got a leak in it, because I keep waking up, and I'm, like, sleeping in a deflated raft, like, in the pool, and, and I started getting some back pain, and it's getting worse, and the leak was getting worse, and it was losing all the pressure, and the pressure is what was supporting my back, and without a good pressure in my back, I started getting lumbar, lumbar, lumbar pain, 
And so last night was a train wreck. It was like sleeping in a deflated pool raft on top of a, a box springs. It was miserable because my mattress lacked pressure. And as I laid there this morning thinking, man, I feel like I need some pressure to feel better. I started thinking about how I was really sick a few weeks ago when I wrote this message, actually. And I'm laying in the bed. I was really sick. Some of you might have noticed when I had the Kleenex. Was anybody here when I had the box of Kleenex? Oh yeah, we got Kleenex witnesses. It's the only time, but man, I was desperate for some Kleenex, and I wasn't going to call out of school on, on Sunday because a passion, whether I had a fever, whether I couldn't breathe through my nose. So anyway, I'm laying in my bed that week thinking, I can't, I can't even, I can't even swallow hardly. It's so blocked. The pressure in my head is so blocked. The pressure was so strong in my head. I'm thinking, God, what, what do I preach on this week? I can't even focus to read a scripture. How am I going to find a topic? And I'm laying in the bed, and I thought, isn't it funny that when nothing can come out of here, my body immediately finds a way to find another way, and I start breathing through my mouth to survive. I didn't even think about it. It just goes to my mouth. The pressure's so bad, it just finds an escape route through my mouth. And, and God said, you're going to speak on pressure this week. I said, okay. See, God speaks in weird ways like that, at least to me. So I wrote a sermon on pressure. It was awful. I couldn't breathe. When the pressure's that bad, I, I start to panic. You know, it's like, when it's so bad, you don't, if you're not ready for it, it'll catch you off guard. And when it catches you off guard, that's when you make bad decisions because you're not ready for the pressure. It comes too fast. It's, it's like got a pulse to it, you know, like, like your heartbeat. If your heartbeat's too fast, it's a bad thing. If your heartbeat's too slow, it's a bad thing. It's got to have a certain pulse to it to be a positive thing. Otherwise, it can kill you. But when we think of pressure... I feel like I have to really emphasize the P in the pressure so you get the point that it's about pressure. Touch your neighbor and say, pressure, but don't spit on them. Or you can spit on them if you don't like them. That's okay, too. Whatever works for you here at One Seed Church. When we think of pressure, we think of stress. You don't hear people go, man, I'm, I'm loaded with pressure. It feels like I'm so excited. You think of stress, whether it's pressure from peers, pressure from relationship, pressure from the job, the boss man, or a lot of times pressure from ourselves. Pressure has the ability to crush us or develop us depending on how it's applied, at what rate or pulse and how we handle it as it's received. Without some level, though, of pressure in your life, you're not growing. If you lived on the beach all day, it might be fun, but you're not growing. Pressure is required in order to shape us into the diamond Christ has designed us to be. In the lack of pressure, restricts our ability to find God's purpose for our life because we never feel the need to pursue beyond where we already are. If there's no pressure to try, why bother? Why change? What's the point? Ooh, that sounds stressful. It's too much pressure. I challenge you to walk in faith and take a step towards being slightly uncomfortable Turn up the pressure on your life and watch God return the greatest blessings you've ever received. My passage today is John chapter 19, verse 16 through 18. This is when Christ was headed to the cross, Golgotha, the place of the skull, Calvary. I'm sure it has other names. Those are just the three that I recall quickly. He was under some pressure. Chapter, chapter 19, verse 16 says, Then he delivered him to be crucified. Then they took Jesus and led him away. 
And he, bearing his cross, went out to a place called the place of the skull, which is called in Hebrew, Golgotha, where they crucified him and two others with him, one on either side and Jesus in the middle. The title of my sermon today is The Pulse of Pressure. The Pulse of Pressure. Touch your neighbor, and if you don't see one, point to one and say, check your pulse. Check your pulse. The pulse is important, because like I said, if the pulse is too low, you got a problem. If the pulse is too high, you got a problem. Check your pulse. The power of pressure is in its pulse. And let's face it, there's good and bad pressure. Some people fall to pressure. Pressure can be a scary thing when it's coming at you at a pulse that you're not ready to handle. It can be poisonous to your walk with God. Like you can have bad pressure, you can have peer pressure, pressure that doesn't take you to the target that God has pointed you to. It's a distraction from God's glory. So some pressure is bad for you. There's pressure you don't want in your life. Peer pressure, especially as a teenager. There's a lot of bad pressure, like your friends want you to cuss, and your friends want you to look at bad stuff on the internet, and your friends want you to do this and that, and if you're not ready for the pressure, you can fold under it because of pressure. You make bad decisions. Pressure we're not expected for in a bad circumstance will make us look for a shortcut, which always leads to an unplanned solution. Consider the source of your pressure. Is it a reputable one? Will it bring fruitfulness? If you're trying to draw closer to God and you're asking your atheist friend on what you should do, would the pressure he gives you of influence be logical? Who's your source of your pressure? When I lack confidence, I will fold to bad pressure from others. Why? Because I can be insecure. I want to fit in. I don't want to, you know, be like everybody else, but I want to fit in, so I will fold to the pressure by my peers when I'm not confident. Worry, this is a big one. Worry creates pressure. When you worry about something, it doesn't solve your solution. It doesn't bring resolution. It does nothing for the target you're heading to. It is just the devil's way to distract you from getting closer to your target. You guys with me? Come on now. My family's a worrier. Worrier. It's the weirdest word, but I say it all the time. Worrier. It's a weird word. I say weird a lot, too. And worry will just stop you from moving forward. You just stay dead in your tracks because the devil gets you to worry. And if you can worry bad enough, that pressure will succumb to you and you will not do anything. That's good. That's what the devil wants. It's a poisonous pressure. You start running down a rabbit hole to find a solution that can't actually solve your problem. You start spending all your time burning it in an area that is not efficient towards the target. You're wasting time. It's not efficient. Pressure that is inefficient towards your target is wasting time. But the power of pressure, again, is in its pulse. The rate it's applied. You have to develop towards the level or it'll crush you. And bad pressure will prevent you from finding success over-diversifying sources of input. See, you need to cre create your circle and keep it small. Because if your circle's too big and you just allow input from anybody, you'll get bad input, which will create pressure that won't help you towards your goal. Like a few years ago, when my wife and I decided to build a custom home, we did everything. We hired a builder, we had the blueprint drawn up. We picked every piece of siding, every soffit, every piece of fascia color, every type of material. We got man-made brick here. We got real stone here. We got vinyl siding here. I mean, it's, it's just some pressure, and I like spreadsheets. So I had a spreadsheet. 
keeping track of the dozens and dozens of variables, but some people fold to that kind of pressure because there's so many choices, and when you get too many choices, you don't know how to handle it, so you start buckling under the pressure, but you have to be able to focus, and if the pulse is too fast, it'll crush you. That's why you have to find a way to stay focused, to keep at bay that pressure so you can handle it as it comes. And when we built our house, we were getting input from people, well, you shouldn't make it this big, and you shouldn't have this kind of thing, and you shouldn't have this color, and you should do it this way. And we're getting all these sources, but in the end, it's your house you're building. It's your life you're building. And if you let bad pressure change your life, you're the one that's gonna suffer in the end, not the people who have nothing to do with it in the end. They're just talking. It's not their life, it's not their house, it's your life. Pick your poison, pressure. How will you apply poisonous pressure? Get rid of it. That's not the kind of godly pressure we want. We want pressure with a purpose. See, good pressure plants seeds in you. It bears fruit. It builds work ethic. Without good pressure, we just stay the lump of coal that I would say we're born, you know, we're born like a lump of coal and then God through life is forming us into a diamond. When I was 16, I got my driver's license. It was awesome. My first car was a deal my brother found that he sold to my parents to hook me up because I was undeserving, but they grace. they gracefully gave me a 1989 Nissan 240SX uh, trunk, not hatchback, coupe, I think they call it. The thing was pristine. This was in 1996. So it was an 89, but man, the thing was pristine. And that thing would get bugs all over it and tar. And I don't know if you ever had to wash your car once you get a car. Some of you youngsters, when they got their car, but you know, now they got drive through for everything. But my dad, he would make me go through and get every bug off the fender. And it took forever. And I hated it. I was like, why does he care if I clean the bugs off this fender? He was creating pressure I didn't need. I mean, I'm, I'm 16 and I got to go to school and my life's hard and he's making me clean this car that I didn't pay for and it was a gift to me and how dare him pressure well let me tell you every time I look at a car to clean to this day I think about getting the bugs off first because he built into me a seed that grew and now when I'm talking to my kids and we're looking at stuff we're looking at boats we're looking at stuff whatever and we're talking about cleaning that I said this is how you do it because it was instilled to me it was a good seed of pressure that was instilled in me that gave me some structure that now look I'm passing it on one seed at a time to my children that's a good pressure that's what parents do. You create good pressure to instill in your children because it builds work ethic. It breeds character, ownership, accountability. Oh, but really? I got to take the blame for that. You mean if I do something bad, there's a consequence? That's too much pressure. In order to expand our life, though, we need pressure with a purpose. It's like school. I mean, let's be honest. I hated school. Hated school. And it's weird to me because my children love school. My graduating GPA in high school was a 2.3 career. 2.3. That's like a that's like a D, D plus, C minus. It's awful. I didn't apply myself. Now in college, my grades did go up, but if we didn't go to school. Where would we end up? We just stayed home all day for summer, you know, summertime, rode our bikes, played baseball, that whole thing. You gotta have some pressure to evolve. And school is the first real seed of pressure I would think a child faces outside the home is they go to kindergarten. They, they start building their tolerance for pressure. And that tolerance for pressure builds into college, and then it builds into the job, and then it builds into starting a business, and then it builds into starting multiple businesses, and then it builds into starting ministries, and then it builds into other things, and you're looking back going, man, when I was 20, that was a vacation. I thought I was under pressure, but now at 39, I know what real pressure feels like, and probably at 59, I'll go, man, at 39, that was a piece of cake, because you keep evolving to the level of pressure you're growing and stretched into. Your pulse is able to, to bear more. See, you're, you're resting heart 
heart rate is getting more conditioned toward the pressure. And anybody that knows about exercise, when your resting heart rate is good, then your heart rate drops faster. So you recover faster. Like uh, professional athletes, their resting heart rate sits lower so they can handle more as it's happening. Their pulse stays in range so they don't kick the bucket from a heart attack. But that's what pressure feels like. It can feel like a heart attack if the pulse is too high. Good pressure builds a desire in us to know we have potential. You want people in your circle putting good pressure on you. You need that. You need pressure. Don't take the easy road because the easy road isn't the most fulfilling road. It feels good for a season and then you feel empty because you're not growing. Good pressure is what creates leaders. Leaders know how to handle pressure. I was just going to look at a house the other day, driving through a neighborhood. And I realized it's summertime, the kids are out of school, you know, and it's like middle of the day. And it was so foreign to me. And I had this flashback to playing baseball with the tennis ball in the summer. School got out. We play Monopoly. We look at Marvel comic cards. We had this like rotation, me and the kids in the neighborhood during summertime. This was our day. We rotate houses. We do this every day through summer. And that's a good thing when you're a kid. But when school came back, it's time to go back to work, right? We didn't stay on summer break for the rest of our life. We had to go to the next grade. At some point, we have to go to the next grade in our walk with God by turning up the pressure on our comfort zone and doing what's awkward. If you don't like to talk to people, God wants you to, guess what? Get up out of your seat and talk to people. If you don't like to uh, smile, guess what? God wants you to smile. If you don't like to uh, do work, guess what? God wants you to sweep some messes up and find out what dirty work feels like, like waiting tables. Ooh, I had to do that. Let me tell you, one of the best and most humbling experiences of my life was waiting tables on people. They're mean. <laughs> I got mad once and I ran out in a hotel and I threw a penny because I was mad because they tipped me a penny. And anybody that waits tables know that's called insulting someone intentionally. And I was only like 23 and I, I wasn't, I wasn't, I, I'm not saying this is a good thing, but I got so mad that they tipped me a penny, I actually went out into the lobby of this hotel and I threw it across the hotel lobby. You're not supposed to do that. Don't do that. But I buckled under a pressure because it was new to me and I never felt such rejection and cruelty, but I'll never forget it. And now I'd laugh it off, go, you tip me a penny? That's okay, I don't need your penny. My life's changed because my level of pressure, my endurance to my pulse of pressure has adjusted. Now I just say, how sad is that? We need good pressure. Pressure creates st structure, structure. You guys know me, I got four kids. I got two boys, and I thought having boys would be the greatest thing, and it is, but it's different than having girls. Some of you got boys, some of you got girls, some of you got both. They're different, they act different. And when my wife's gone, sometimes it can become the Lord of the Flies in my house. It's a movie I, I don't recommend, but if you've seen it, you might know what I'm saying. And, and one day, you know, Taz, that's Colton, you know his nickname, Taz. I go, I'm okay guys, I'm gonna go take my shower and mommy's at the store and you guys be good. And I come out of the shower and I hear screaming. I look out, boys are on the floor punching each other, fighting. Lord of the Flies, just boom. Alpha, 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 I'm gonna be alpha. No, I'm gonna be alpha. They're five and seven. It's because mommy was gone. We went a few nights with no naps during the day. They lost their structure, they lost their discipline, and they became uh, anarchists in my house. We're fighting to the death until I grabbed them and said, get off, get, get off. One of them I can still pick up like that. The other one's getting a little tall. One of these days he's gonna say, go ahead, Dad, try it now. He's gonna, he's gonna do this to me. It's gonna be great. Not for a long time. That would never happen. 
That would never happen. But they need that pressure, structure in their life or they become foolish. But good pressure will cause us to find a way. Just like when I couldn't breathe, my body knew to find a way. And when you got enough pressure in your life to have to make some decisions, it makes you think you're going to find a way and you're going to be 10 steps ahead and you're going to go, how did I get here? It's because you had good influences, good mentors in your life creating pressure that make you then have to think about where you're at and how you're going to get from A to Z and how you're going to get B, C, D, E, F, G in the rest of the alphabet to your purpose. It takes steps, and without pressure, you don't think about leaving A. It's the beach. It's the playground. It's summertime. So that's good pressure. But the best pressure is godly pressure. See, godly pressure is how God will turn you into a diamond. It's God's diamond system. David wasn't a king when he started, but he went through God's diamond system. He was enduring pressure along the way. He went from, you know, being a shepherd boy, dealing with shepherd uh, sheep, and then he went to slewing uh, Goliath, and then on and on. And he became king, one of the biggest kings in the Old Testament, because his level of pressure grew. He acclimated to his level of pressure. I'm sure as king, he looked back and go, remember when I killed the giant? What a joke. They were impressed by that. That wasn't hard. But when he was 12 or whatever he was, hey, it's a different story because his ability to handle pressure at that pulse was different. He had to grow into it, but you can't grow into something you never step into. You have to walk and be pressured into steps. That's faith. God wants to shape you into a diamond. If you're feeling kind of sluggish like a lump of coal, it's because God wants to turn you into a diamond. You were meant to be a diamond. Nobody wants coal in their stocking. They want diamonds on their finger. If you like it, then you got to put a ring on it. They want a diamond. They don't want a coal. It's not if you like it, then you give me a piece of coal. Nobody wants coal. They want diamonds. And if you want to be a diamond, you got to get some godly pressure in your life. So Jesus had that cross, you know, on the way to Golgotha. And I imagine... In John, the scripture we read, the weight of the cross was probably heavy. It didn't say he sprinted up the hill, the place of the skull, Golgotha, Calvary. It said he went up the hill. It's a marathon, not a race. How many know it's a marathon? Life is a marathon. It's not a race. If you try to race life, your pulse won't take it. So in Matthew 16, 24, then Jesus said, before he died, take up to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Get, yours, get your pressure on. Let's see you carry that cross. It's heavy. It's heavy. I don't know if I can carry it. But God says, I'll give you no more than you can bear. You can bear it if I gave it to you. And you got the strength. And when you are born again, the spirit will give you the strength to get up that hill if you Plot along and keep working, building up your endurance, getting your heart rate up and handling that pressure. You're going to get to the top of the hill. You're going to carry that cross. You need pressure like I endured. You need to die with me if you want to sit on the throne with me and see the blessings I got for you. Carry your cross and follow me. Drop your nets. Drop your poles. But it's about the pulse. This is the key ingredient to this message. Is it's about the pulse. The power of pressure is in the pulse. If it's applied too fast, we'll miss the process because we rushed through it. The process is having to go through the situation, having to go through the storm, having to go through the battle, having to go through the divorce, having to go through whatever it is, God is conditioning you with the ability to handle more. And if you skip the process, you skip the blessing because you got to go through a process to be shaped into a diamond. A coal is not just poof into a diamond. It has to go through a process. It takes a long time to become a diamond. It has to endure the process and there's no way around if you want to become a diamond, you have to sweat for your ministry. You have to die on the cross. It doesn't matter what people think. You have to be passionate and give it your all, and God will turn you into 
diamond. It's anything. It's simple. But you gotta work for it. You got what's that? Work, work, work. That's a that's a different rap song. I can't I can't quote that one. There's a, there's a few. My wife, she seems to know them better than me. <laughs> oh, I shouldn't. What's on your playlist, honey? Just kidding. Got to work for it. The cross is heavy. Speed matters. When I'm on a treadmill, when I get ambitious in January, and I go down and say, okay, this is the year I'm going to get the preacher six-pack, and I get on the treadmill, I don't start off sprinting because my heart goes through the roof. i got to pace myself. I wear the heart rate monitor. There's a reason I monitor the pulse, because the pulse lets me know I'm in range. I'm in the efficient range. I'm in the range that's going to let me burn fat the best, because you want to keep your heart rate right around 110 if you're my age. You want to burn fat efficiently, but if you go crazy, Derek, and you're sprinting on the treadmill, you're going to burn up all your muscle, and you're going to fat than when you started because you burned up all the muscle to begin with because the pulse was too high you weren't ready or conditioned for it touch your neighbor and say get on a treadmill if you got one <laughs> speed matters good pressure too quick you'll implode but if it's slow cooked you'll in prove. Carrying the cross is heavy, but if you move slow and steady, there's nothing God won't give you that you can't bear. But if you try to race up that hill, you're going to fold and implode. The power of pressure is in its pulse, and godly pressure creates purpose. Godly pressure brings you to the blessing which ultimately glorifies him. See, the pressure from God is not to glorify you. It's not to bring you what you think. It's to glorify him. And in the process, you actually get what you wanted when really you were focused on him. See, God gets what he wants, and he just happens to fulfill you at the same time. It's this funny circle. When you focus on him, you find internal joy, fulfillment that you didn't think doing, you didn't think serving God would bring that, but it does. It does. It's, it's backwards. Culture teaches it backwards. Give it all away, and that's when you're going to fee, feel the most filled. You hoard on to everything, you're going to feel empty. Trust me, I've tried it. It makes you feel empty. Barbecue. Here's a good example. Who likes barbecue? No one, right? Well, us Gwaltneys like to use smokers. Smoking meat. Okay. Meat, meat, smoking meat. Okay, so you, he said smoking up there. We're talking about barbecue. Bacon, you crank up the temperature on the bacon, you're gonna have a problem. It's gotta be slow cooked. And how many know that even when we've had the problem or the, the situation before, we still jump right into it again, like when I caught fire on my smoker three times because I raised the temp three different times on my smoker, even though I knew that if I went too fast, that, that grease fire is gonna I still did it. It takes focus. But if I slow cook the bacon, it keeps that fat from pinging all over the place and catching the sparks, and it just slowly renders. You get the best bacon. It's like bacon jerky. You could put it on anything. You could put it, you could put it in cereal. It'd be good. You could have some Cheerios with some bacon. It'd be good. But it's got to be slow cooked. It's about the pace, the pulse, pull pork, brisket. You buy a brisket, here we go, now we're getting into barbecue. It's got a big old fat cap is what it's called. And you want the fat cap. The fat cap is what moisturizes the meat while it slow cooks. But if you just burn through that meat, that fat cap's going to still be there and your meat's going to be, guess what, dry as a bone. You're going to choke to death because you have no moisture in your meat. God wants you to slow cook with your pressure, not race through it, or you will dry up. The power of pressure is in his pulse. But Jesus is my plow. Like he said, I'm not afraid to work when I know what my plow is. 
There's no one beside my God. I can't be intimidated by what someone thinks. I can't fold the pressure when I know that I serve a God who created the heavens and the earth. Jesus is my plow, and I will, I will harvest, and I will reap the grounds as long as I'm able to crawl because I know my plow will not let me down. It can't fail. How many know Jesus is the plow to your pressure? You want to defeat godly pressure and grow? Then use the plow, Jesus. <laughs> when we started this um, ministry, so let me give you a little technical background. I'm a computer geek and a musician that strangely became a minister of the gospel. And for a year, because I wanted the website to show up well on Google, I was building up the SEO content. So it had good keywords, people were coming to the site. By the time service came in January, this was a year ago, for this January, I wanted it to be popping with traffic. So we got good hits, we can check Google Analytics, we throw a few AdWords up there, we got good traffic, people coming to church, it's all good. Why? Because we built awareness for a year. Well, we used to do some Bible studies here at the school before we had service. Some of you might have remembered the, the, the guy out there with the hat putting up the, the, the Bible uh, study things. It was either Dan, my father, or me. And uh, people are like, what is that guy doing with these vinyl signs? And so we're having these Bible studies, but we, we weren't advertising services. We were advertising Bible studies. Bible study service. The words sound a lot alike, don't they? Bible study service. No, they don't. They sound like nothing. They sound like Bible study service. So, so one of the funny things about having a church is the voicemail system. And you just get the greatest greeting messages on your voicemail from people in the area. And it's gotten so funny that I, I've made a folder called Entertaining Voicemails. And I'm archiving all these so I can look back in 10 years and go, remember when that guy said that on the voicemail? But at the time, I got a couple that was like, oh, oh God, what do I do? I don't, should I call this person? They sound crazy. We get some weird people calling in. And if you're watching and you're one of them that called in, I'm not talking about you. Okay? So, let me tell you what pressure will do when it's for God. I get this call. I always use the name George. It's my pastoral right. I plug in a false name so I'm not blaspheming or slandering anybody. George left me a voicemail. Two of them. Hello, this is George, and I was calling. It says, you know, I went by there, and there was no one there for service on Sunday. There was no one there. I'm thinking, well, it's because we're not having services. Why, why would you go? Your website says you're having services. And I went there, and no one was there. I mean, he was, his voice was raising in the thing. Please call me and let me know. Thanks, George. Click. Like that. I'm not embellishing. I saved him. And if you don't believe me, I'll show him to you in the name of Jesus. This happened. I guess the next day, I got another voicemail. Are you having services or not? Your website says this, blah, 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 and I went there and no one was there. And I'm thinking, dear God, it doesn't say anything about services. It says Bible study on Wednesdays at 6.30. No, no advertisement ever went out. Nothing that said Sundays. But understand, people get confused. Here is the funny part why I'm telling you this. Would someone please give me a call? Thank you. Ugh, click. He growled. He growled on the voicemail. Would someone please call me? Ugh, click. I said, I think I growled? He growled at me. I called my brother. Dude, some guy called and he growled at me. But then he was so polite when he says, thank you. It's like, was he bipolar? I don't know what was going on. I was like, I can't. Can't call this guy. He's crazy. He's gonna reach. What's he gonna do? He's gonna. My head's going. My, my mind is going. Who's he gonna reach through the phone and, and slap me because because he misunderstood something that never existed to begin with? I'm thinking, why, why am I intimidated? This is God's work. So I talked to my brother. I said, You gotta hear this message. It's the greatest. He says, Well, you know, you gotta call him, right? I said, Come on. There's no point in calling this guy. You know, he has nothing good to offer. He's just wanting to cause problems. And as I was saying it, I thought, I gotta call this guy. I gotta face it. It was pressure that I wasn't used to. In an arena I wasn't used to. 
So it became almost kind of fun. I said, I'm going to call this guy. Voicemail, go figure. Hello, this is Pastor Jeff Gwaltney from 1C Church. I was just reading the call, returning the call for George. And George, I got your message, and I just wanted to apologize for the confusion. And just, just I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. God bless you, brother. Hope to see you when we actually have services in January. I don't think I said that, but I thought it. Well, the moral of the story is, George never called me back anyway. And that's okay, because God broke my fear of what people might think of this new musician who's trying to be a minister, and I'll never forget it. And if George, if you're watching, I want to thank you, brother, because I can talk to anybody now. I don't care if they spit on me. It don't bother me. I will laugh all the way to heaven, brother. So that's what I'm doing. But I do have it saved. If we ever, I don't know, I probably can never play it, but just know I have it. When we're willing to bear his cross and carry the pressure of what God is calling us to do, we're going to find glory. You've got to face it. Face the pressure so you can grow. Some of us are begging for food, but we're being lazy when the harvest comes. If you go to Proverbs Chapter 20, verse 4. I love this. It says, the lazy man will not plow because of winter, but he will beg during the harvest and have nothing. Wow, that sounds familiar. Well, that's not fair. He's saying, work, plow, and you too can have the harvest. Quit letting somebody else plow for you and then being mad because you didn't get a harvest like they did. Amen? Plow. Jesus is your plow. It's easy, but get on the plow. Start driving. See what happens. It's called faith. You can't forecast the harvest, but you're still going to get on the plow because you're going to expect God to give you what you ask for in faith. If he's got your best interest, there's no worry. There's no worry to, to fear. Slow, continuous pressure causes you to reach higher, and God will shape you into a diamond. The absence of pressure is what scares me. See, I think I said a few weeks ago, uh, pressure to me, I hear opportunity. My brother, he's the same way. He hears opportunity. See, that's been mentored into me, and now I'm mentoring that into my children. But I don't hear, I don't hear stress. When I hear pressure, I think opportunity. It's really a mindset thing. And when I don't have pressure, I'm such a pressure-holic that I have a tough time enjoying the beach with my family because I feel like I'm not doing enough. And that can be a problem. But, you know, when, when you're used to pressure, it feels weird when there is none. That's when my fear sets in. I say, wait, wait, I, I'm not on the plow. I've been off the plow a little too long. I need to get on that plow or I'm going to miss the harvest and then everything's going to fall apart. So I'm continually making sure pressure is a part of my daily routine. Godly pressure. Good pressure. And the power of pressure is in its pulse, so everybody can handle pressure at different levels. The pressure that I take doesn't mean that's the pressure that you should take. The pressure is what's going to shape you at that moment that God has for you. It's different levels. I'm not going to give the pressure that a grown man takes to my five-year-old son because he would fail miserably. We know how Taz has a temper. You can't give him that kind of pressure. It has to be within his pulse, within his range. The power of pressure is in its pulse. If you guys could stand with me. We're not going to play a song today because we uh, don't have Nick. And I just thought it might be okay just to close with the word. But God wants you to turn you into a diamond by slow, continuous pressure. I want to be happy that I need to accept that I need pressure to grow. The lack of pressure, whether it's in your sports, Solo, you know about pressure. You're climbing the soccer, soccer league ranks. He knows he's got to fight to win if he wants to go to the next level. It's good pressure. That's the kind of pressure I'm talking about. It's going to turn you into a leader, my, my man, because you're going to know what it takes when you're a man. You're going to know what it's like to work through. My boys are in wrestling. They know what it's like to work through pressure, especially when it's not comfortable and someone's squeezing your head off. It's great. That's probably why they fight at home. <laughs> I was going to do an illustration, but I ran out of people to help me today. 
Godly pressure is what actually protects you. Anybody want to come up here? Any volunteers? Otherwise, I'll just pretend. Any volunteers? How about the guy in the blue right there? Yeah, you. Why don't you come up here? Give it up for the guy in the blue. Mike Steeler. <laughs> I wanted more people, but we'll just do, we'll do it this way. See, pressure, he's pressure. When I'm not ready for pressure, and it just comes flying in, it's going to devour me. Oh, snap, what do I do? I'm crumbled, I'm imploding, I'm dead, I'm dried out barbecue. But like Bruce Lee, you ever seen a Bruce Lee movie? He's surrounded. He knows how to keep his distance with the pressure. And as the pressure comes in, he's aware with his, his chi or whatever. He's aware, come on in, pressure. And there's pressure from all angles. And there's pressure there. And there's pressure there. And there's pressure there. And I know how to keep my distance to keep that pulse right. Because if I keep that pulse right, I can, I can, I can handle the pressure. See, the pressure, it's like spinning a bunch of plates on sticks. I can keep those plates spinning if I keep my rhythm. There's a rhythm to it. There's a pulse to pressure. And if you keep the rhythm, you can handle it. And then you're going to expose a new hole like the mouth that I was breathing out of because I didn't know I could breathe out of my mouth until my nose closed up. I didn't know that there was a new way and pressure created that for me when I'm able to, to analyze it as it's happening and deal. Make sense? Thank you, pressure. No more pressure for me, please. This is, this is too high pressure. Tomorrow's Memorial Day. See, tomorrow's Memorial Day. It's a day off. I got to clean my deck. I got to do something. Some pressure. It's on my Google Calendar. The power of pressure is in its pulse. If you want to grow into the diamond God has designed you to be, then look for godly pressure to change your life. And you'll find it, and he will change it. And you'll look back going, wow, I didn't know I could do that. God has a perfect plan, but it takes getting uncomfortable, like calling back people who scare you on voicemail. It takes that. Where do you want to be in the next steps of your life? Do you want to stay where you're at or do you want to grow? Get a little uncomfortable and grow and you're going to find happiness. Let's bow our heads and pray and we'll be out of here. If you're new here, we're so thankful that you're here with us. We're thankful that you're checking out One Seed Church. We have a vision to find each and every one of our purpose that God has designed for us, and we believe through synergy, it's on our vision statement. The synergy is the collective sum of output by the group together is how it's gonna be the most effective as the body unified in Christ. So God, we play, pray that this word sits on our heart and that we can take it into the practical world and recognize pressure opportunities, the really opportunities, but we also know that our, our foundation of strength is rooted in you, Jesus, that without it, we can't defeat pressure and we need you in us. So we ask God that you be in us and that you change our lives, change our hearts, and let us find your perfect plan for us. And if everybody could say, in Jesus' name, Amen. You are dismissed. Have a blessed week, guys.